Oh, oh shit! Yeah, fuck you. Oh Wait, shit. But that's yeah. Welcome to the Holding Hands of Throwing Fist podcast. I got the mic. And I have the opinions. This is episode 2C, and C stands for? Championship Rounds. Cool. So, I just wanted to take a quick second to explain what championship rounds are and why they're so mystical and amazing and wonderful and beautiful and wondrous. Are they really? Uh, I, I get really excited when I hear, because it's so subtle when you hear the commentators do it, they go, championship rounds. And, like, you know what they are, but some people don't, so I want to explain it because next time you watch a championship fight and you hear it, you're going to want to know. Do you know I already have an opinion that I'd like to share, but you should explain it first. Okay. <laughs> So, the majority of MMA fights are three rounds. Three five-minute rounds. That's, like, what's standardized right now. It hasn't always been the case, whatever. Certain leagues have different things. But UFC, Bellator, I'm pretty sure one championship, Ryzen or Risen, whatever. They're all three five-minute rounds. So, all championship fights are five rounds. And then also, as a little side note... If you're the headliner of a night, like the last fight of the night um, is in the UFC is also five rounds too, but whatever. So all championship fights in the UFC are five rounds. So when you get to that fourth round, the commentators will say championship rounds. And that's where it gets really heavy because a fight is, a three round fight is hard enough, but a five round fight is incredibly grueling and it separates champions from challengers. That was a great explanation. I love championship rounds. And what you threw in there, but then brushed to the side with the whatever. That's what I do. Was that sometimes, or not sometimes, the main fight on a card, even if it's not a championship fight, will be five rounds. Yeah. And there's my opinion. That's fucking stupid. Just because it's a main fight on a card does not mean it should be five rounds. Yeah. We've talked about this before together, off mic. Um, we we do in fact yeah. talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, because certain times like it's like that, and whatever you think that. Well, we'll get to this later. But like you think like the last fight of the night is definitely always going to be like the best and all that stuff. But it's not always the case, and sometimes things happen, and fights have to get shifted, and all of a sudden someone who really wasn't prepped for a five round fight is fighting a five round fight, and then it could just be really freaking boring if two guys or girls negate each other. Is there even yeah. if they're studs? Even if you're stud fighters, if you're both really freaking good, you can negate each other, and 25 minutes of that is, like, not ideal. Like, you'd rather have but people also, go... But also, what's the know? point? Well, to the extra rounds? Yeah, like, you just said championship rounds really show something and really, like, let's say earn a championship, and you're, you're showing that you are even beyond the best of the best. Yeah. If, if you're not fighting for a championship belt why incur more damage yeah that's the other thing too yeah yeah we're all about limiting damage um but since we're talking about championship rounds we should talk about the big championship fight that happened over the weekend at ufc 247 in houston texas plural friends championship fights look at me with my privilege over here yeah (laughs) even though neither was a white man no necessarily in that main fight. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll get over the, the... We'll go into the two championship fights So uh, a little bit later. Uh, but just a reminder from last week, we had Valentina Shevchenko, the champion, the champion at 125 flyweight, 
fighting Kalen Chikugin. Uh, Valentino won uh, via TKO in like pretty, uh, I, I don't want to say devastating, uh, in pretty dominating fashion. Yes. She got her in the most dominant position, which if you want to see what's, like the mount and the back and the rear mount are pretty much the two most dominant positions in MMA um, and jiu-jitsu, but also just take a quick Google of MMA crucifix position. It's pretty dominant. And that's how she finished her off. So it was uh, uh, Caitlin went out there and did her best, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, Shevchenko just won in dominating fashion again. Yeah. And then uh, John Jones won the goat at light heavyweight by uh, judges uh, payroll or what is it? Judges corruption. I Ju- don't know. Judges Controversy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, John Jones won the. Um, fight by two judges' accounts, three rounds to two, one judge's account, four rounds to one. Um, and I don't know, we'll get into it more later in the episode. This is a long preamble. Uh, but fuck John Jones, I guess. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, what do you say? Anna actually had the distinct... Yeah, George is, like, rambling because that's what he's really good at. He's not saying the one thing that he was um actually supposed to say that's, you know, usually where it always is. Isn't that the one thing you wanted to say? No, I actually wanted to talk about a lot of other things, but I will mention so, that... It's funny that, that you typed it on the notes. John Jones is the GOAT fighter, but we saw a little bit of him training, swimming in a pool, and I just want to say... That I, lowly mortal, George from Brooklyn, am a much better swimmer than John Jones. And I challenge John Jones to a race. And I want to say that as much as I dislike John Jones, um, I am always open to discussion. And so this Monday, I had the privilege to sit down and chat to John Jones. Wait, you talked to John Jones? Yes, I did. About what? His favorite topic. Alright, well himself. <laughs> let's he- let's hear it. People have been talking about John Jones last week. They will continue to talk about him this week. But we thought, what better way to start the week off than with John Jones talking about John Jones? So when Anna Brennan asked me to talk about John Jones, I had no idea why she wanted me to talk about John Jones. <laughs> but it's not John Jones that I really care about, which is me. But then Obviously. she explained to me that there's a John Jones that's his fighter and that she wanted me to talk about him. I thought, well, that also makes no sense because I know nothing about this John Jones. <laughs> so she gave me some articles, and I read the articles. But I'd tell a story. So Friday night, I met my husband at this restaurant, High Life. And when he got there earlier, I'd been at the gym. The owner of the restaurant said, John Jones. And he said, yes, but that's my husband. So when I came in, he wanted to know, like, is this a John Jones a fighter? <laughs> he said, but it can't be because you're a white guy and John Jones is a black guy. I told him he was a racist because I said, how does he know that I am not a black guy? But whatever. Anyway, I read about John Jones in these articles. 
Uh, I knew nothing about him, as I said, uh, but now I do. So, you know, always good information. And the one thing that struck me, this is kind of personal, and should I share this? But why not? Yes. When I was in my 20s, I took steroids. <gasps> yes. And so I identify with John Jones because I wanted to be a little more buff. Um, but then it started giving me medical problems that kind of contradicted the problem or actually the reason to get buff, which was <laughs> to get laid more. And so it started giving me problems in that area, if you understand. So I stopped doing it. Also, I got bad acne, too, which is really bad. So this Also not helping in the not area. Not helping either, exactly. <laughs> I never had bad acne. It's, anyone can tell you, I have good skin. So um, anyway, the, but this guy was using steroids, it seems. But there was some dissension whether or not um, the first time he was banned, um, was he still using or was it just a residue from that first time? So he, he was basically saying he was treated unfairly. I felt a little sorry for him because it does stay in your system for a long time, but whatever. Um, but you know, ultimately though, I know nothing about this only because Anna and George tell me. When we were in um, <laughs> Ireland, I remember that George mentioned that then. I actually do remember that. I have no idea why I remember that because I felt like shit that night. But I do remember that and uh, I'm not sure this, none of this is really helpful, but Anyway, anything else you want to ask me about John Jones? No. Let's conclude with the John Jones that I know, the white one, even though you shouldn't call him white to his face, apparently, <laughs> is much better than the fighter John Jones. <laughs> I like that to be the end. So thank you. This has been a lot of fun, Anna Brennan. <laughs> Thanks, John Jones. <laughs> well, that was great. Thanks to our senior interview correspondent, Anna. <laughs> we really missed you there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to meet him one day and ask him about all that stuff again. So, in I mean, a little bit greater detail. You probably can very soon. We're going to get into our top five. But before we do, I just want to take a quick detour and just say that uh, our homegirl Jamie's uh, favorite fighter, Derek Lewis, fought. And he's a hometown hero in Houston. Um, and he won. He beat Alir Latifi. Uh, but one of the great things that I just want to insert here, since we're all about inserting audio on this podcast, is his post-fight speech. Where he tells the crowd this. I don't know. I would almost argue I ain't buying y'all shit though is better than my balls was hot. Controversial opinion. Ooh, that that could be a nice little poll. That there it is. Which is is the more memorable one-liner? Um, so we'll put that up on Twitter and Instagram so we can get uh, votes for that. Um, oh wow, I'm gonna throw you another curveball. Remember we threw up that poll on Instagram and Twitter? Oh yes. During the fight nights, UFC 247, we were like coming out to the Rocky theme song. Is that? awesome or is it played out and corny decide for yourselves okay i mean listen uh i gotta say i think it's awesome i thought it's so fucking whack (laughs) but i'm apparently the only one yeah you're the minority for sure the vote is in yeah we don't have the stats in front of us but you weren't the only person i think some two people on twitter said that it was played out and corny okay but i what was it 25% 25% whack, 75% awesome. Something like that. That's pretty resounding. I I, I don't know what to say about people. Aye, aye, aye. 
Well, uh, since Derek Lewis just did five shots, uh, and that was it, let's go into our top five. Last week, we had an awesome display of two fighters doing great promotion for their UFC uh, event. I think it's 240. Is it the next one? 248? It uh, is in March. Yes, in March. Okay. Uh, so that's Israel Adesanya from uh, New Zealand by way of Nigeria and Yoel Romero from Cuba. Israel Adesanya is like the epitome of cool. He comes from kickboxing. His nickname is a style bender. He is super, super fucking awesome. Amazing striking. Had the fight of the year last year. Has been coming up. Can't say enough cool things about him. And his mental uh, aspect of how he approaches fighting is insane. It's super, super cool. He always talks about how he's player one. Because he talks <laughs> about video games. And I think that's such an interesting concept of like how to approach fighting. Joel Romero is an Olympian wrestler from Cuba who's in his 40s and wants to fight for another 10 years. And just please Google Yoel, Y-O-E-L, Romero, R-O-M-E-R-O. And just look at what a freak specimen he is. And this dude's been in the drug testing pool since he's been a child. So there's no way that he has that body without just freaking crazy genetics. So these two guys... Had a press conference because they're, uh, Yoel is challenging Israel for the middleweight, I think middleweight belt. And um, it's going to be super awesome. They were super respectful. But then when they were squaring <laughs> off, did I say that like three times in a row? No, yeah. I'm just picturing what you're going to share now. And it's yeah. like kind of funny along with cool. So Romero uh, Adesanya, he's known for like dancing and stuff. So he was doing his little salsa kind of thing. And then Romero starts moving his hips and start cutting the rug too. He's so like, oh yeah! <laughs> so then Adesanya starts moving his hips just a little bit more. And he, Adesanya is like, he's a fucking cool dude. Like, you he's look a at him, style bender. He's a style bender. He's like the epitome of like tall, black, handsome guy. Like super well-spoken, so slick and quick and witty. And then you have Romero who like barely fucking speaks English. Got in trouble because he's also very like uh, devout Christian and uh, wanted to say, yeah, this is in our old apartment. I remember watching this live and being like, what the fuck is going on right now? He said he was trying to tell Americans not to forget Jesus. But it sounded forget Jesus. But it sounded like he was saying, no, forget Jesus. (laughs) Poor guy. So it was uh, whatever. These guys were (laughs) it was super, super weird. These guys, so obviously, like, super slick versus kind of clunky in terms of presentation, right? But Yoel Romero, freak athlete, does a backflip into a split. And it is the freaking most amazing, coolest thing that you've ever seen at a face-off ever. It is press conference clothes. Like, this is not supposed to happen. They're supposed to sit behind their desk with their little microphone, like George loves his microphones, answer a couple of questions... Take a little stare down picture, the end. Okay, so take a look at it because it's the first and only time I've ever seen Stylebender be like. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. He like got beat. Like he had like nothing. So So, good. Yeah. Let's go to number two. Let's go to number two. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that I was super bummed that the main fight in the Bellator Dublin card for next weekend now, February 22nd, 
was called off. Super bummed. James Gallagher was out. But stupidly, I, I never really thought, like, who's going to take over main event? And almost immediately after, um, Leah McCourt, I guess, was asked to become the main event. She wanted it. She she asked for it. She was texting her manager jokingly, thinking, like, I'll never get it. Because there's so many other fighters on the card who have bigger names. And um, in the past, Ireland has never had a major event where the title, not title fight, where the main fight was a female fight. So this is the first time in Ireland that the main fight on such a huge card is a female fight. So way to go, Leah McCourt. It's freaking awesome. We wish you luck. Yeah, way to go for the fighting Irish. Yeah, and way to go for Bellator. Yeah, a way to go for Bellator. So super exciting for that, even though it's an unfortunate thing that the two other uh, main events got canceled. But there's still good things to look forward to. Also, last thing on that, um, we also said immediately Gallagher text and was like, go get it because they train together. So yeah. like, that's really cool. Irish Pride. Uh, speaking of Irish Pride, let's go to number three, Losers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're so funny. I'm not. You're so. I'm not funny. funny. I know. <laughs> no. Well, we want. I, want, I wanted to make yet another new segment called uh, "Beautiful Losers" or what was I trying to say? Whatever it is, our favorite losers. Our favorite losers. But it's basically just like these people. These next couple people lost on Saturday, but. I don't think they really lost. I we still love them. And yes, I think and we're joking. Out. We put yeah. losers in quotation marks. Maybe on a scorecard, maybe in the books, yeah. they lost. But these were some great losers from Saturday night. Give me your first loser. My first loser is who I really wanted to be my number one winner, Dominic Reyes. Unfortunately, he lost. George already mentions the scorecard was controversial. The, it's it's Thursday, right? Like almost a full week after the card. And it is still being spoken about. So many people gave the fight to Dominic Reyes. Um, so many people gave it to John Jones. It was just one of those fights, which which is amazing. But Dominic Reyes is one of our favorite losers because right after the fight, he sh- he could have, in my opinion, should have won. And when Joe Rogan went up to ask him. Oh, the fucking stupid question that I hate. <laughs> no, no. The, the one that I hate is, what does it mean to you? Yeah. But I think he the, the second stupid question is like, how are you feeling right now? And he was just so, what a graceful loser. He's like, yeah, I got to take the L. It was a great fight. I did everything I wanted to. I wanted to put on a good fight. And I wanted to show everyone that John Jones is not unbeatable. And I did that. Like, what a great attitude. Super great attitude. So we rewatched the fight, and we scored it three rounds to two, Dom Reyes. Did you as well? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. You and I both did. But uh, our three judges in rewatching it, uh, the third one was your brother, Patrick, who scored it. So the most controversial uh, scoring of the fight was one of the judges gave it four rounds to one, Jones. And every, a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Where did that score come yeah, from? Fine, maybe 3-2. <laughs> yeah. Fine, maybe. Who would give it 4-1? Well, your brother gave it 4-1. He's too. that guy. <laughs> but then it was so symbolic of the judges. Because clearly one judge, just like Patrick, no offense to him, doesn't fucking know anything. 
I know, but he picked up on it, and he. But in, he in saw something rounds, yeah. clearly we didn't, and yeah. that's what it is. And we're actually gonna talk more about the scoring later. Cool. Uh, one of my favorite losers from that fight was uh, from that night was Caitlin Chikugin. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko, but I like I say this all the time, and a lot of people do. There is no shame in losing to someone who's just amazing. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko, who's at the top of her game, who has. Like, right now, no holes in her game. And Caitlin Chikugin went out there, and I, she got the rub. I think she's going to be a problem for a lot of other people in the division. I think that she, she got super, super valuable experience. And she also had a great losing attitude after uh, the Sunday after the fight. She wrote, uh, yesterday at work sucked on Twitter, which oh, is, like, funny. That is and funny. And she already came back and, like, posted videos of her coming home to her dog and... And having coffee and stuff with her husband. And she's just like a super positive person. And I think she's really going to get a lot better. I think it's just sometimes you just face people who are, who are just like in a... I don't want to I don't want to put her down and say like in a different class. But she's in a different... in a different class than everyone. So no shame, Caitlin. Hold your head up high. We're super proud of you. Another person we want to call is one of our favorite losers. It's, it's actually sort of tricky for us. Because for this fight, we were rooting for Andre Yule. If you follow us on Instagram, you saw him. He had the big, beautiful smile um, during weigh-ins and was wearing pink headphones. So for that reason alone, we're like, let's root for this guy. And then as if like we just didn't like his big, beautiful smile enough, he responded to us on Instagram with like praying hands emoji (laughs) and re- posted the story of him weighing in and again on that night so we're like oh what a, like what a good guy right and um he was fighting this fighter from um texas jonathan martinez and honestly as much as we were rooting for yule martinez won but it came down to the judges again and yeah. so yule got the split decision but martinez is totally a fantastic loser because calling him a loser that night again officially yes that's what happened unofficially anyone could argue <laughs> that he won yeah we were watching that fight in the basement of Giorgio and Billy's house shout out uh, for their birthday and we were watching it by ourselves and like a, f- a family friend's son came downstairs so we watched a fight with like an eight-year-old boy and I was super like, kind of like, is this like wrong to be watching this with this kid? This kid came downstairs and he gave like the most meaningful commentating that like we've had with anyone in a long time. He's like, oh, this guy's winning. This guy's losing. He goes, can he do that? Like he was asking like legitimate questions. He's like, is the guy in the gray shorts winning or losing? And then someone else came downstairs and like, what are you doing? And he's like, watching wrestling. Now, okay, granted... It wasn't the 100% correct answer, but it's a much better answer than a lot of other people would give. Mm -hmm. So, shout out to that little boy. I don't even know what his name is. I know. I don't know either. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Just a quick last loser. Alir Latifi, which is another fun name to say. Say it. Alir Latifi. He lost to uh, Derek Lewis. I was going to call him Derek Johnson for for some reason. Uh, He lost to Derek Derek Lewis in Houston. And uh, it was pretty close. It was another close fight. It was not a robbery, but it could have gone either way. Yeah, so let's just give it up to Alira Latifi for handling a loss super well. Uh, Number four in our top five, since we're over budget again on time, 
uh, is Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she, I already talked about her kind of at nauseum, but she's just amazing. A couple other things that I just want to uh, point out. Besides the fact that she's been doing martial arts forever, her sister's in her corner. She is like an amazing striker who got better at grappling in the UFC. So is like super well-rounded, can fight standing up, can fight on the ground. She also knows how to shoot guns like crazy, crazy well. She like knows how to do, what do you call it, like tactical defense and stuff like that. So she has a, her nickname is The Bullet. She has a gun tattooed on her. She freaking knocks out people like crazy. Just listen to, I'm going to insert this right here. Listen to this wheel kick that she landed on Caitlin Chikugan. That is insane. Ow. <laughs> she is from uh, Kyrgyzstan, I believe. She won the fight, defended her title, and thanked the crowd in three different languages. Uh, I think Russian, English, and Spanish. She's, she speaks fluent Spanish. But she also used to train in Texas. Yes. So she also used to live and train in Texas, which is also why she knows how to shoot guns. The crowd in Texas went fucking crazy when she started speaking Spanish uh, because I think she also lived in Ecuador for a little period of time too. So all these things, you, you got to be thinking, right? Like killer fighter, awesome shooter. Actually, she does like this amazing dance when she wins all the time. So she's like super talented at dancing. And you're she like, dyes her hair and looks like a totally different person. Yeah, she must be a spy. Well, she was confronted at the media week last week and they were all like, well, you're a spy, right? And she's like, I'm not a spy. Like, she's always smiley and, and laughing. And always. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, please. No, she was. She nipped it in the bud quick. Someone's getting in times. trouble for asking her yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, we're not fucking with you, Valentina, and you're definitely not a spy, whatever you say. You're so not you're a spy. So not a spy. Not a spy. Cool. Number and five. we're not even talking about it anymore. No, we're going to number five. Number five on our top five is it's. Our top five is weird. George has a problem with it because he's like, is it positive? Is it negative? Are we like shouting people out? Are we not? I think it's just like top five news events. And one of the things coming out of UFC 247 was this discussion of potential new scoring. George, I think in our last episode said he wanted to discuss briefly for people who didn't know how these events are scored. It is really tricky. Mm -hmm. So many people look at it and they're like just waiting for a knockout. But that does not happen. And actually, it shouldn't happen if they're top athletes because they know to avoid those things. So UFC, or MMA rather, is scored on certain criteria. The top two. The two that all judges should know according to the unified rules and other MMA regulations mm -hmm. The top one, like this, is really where your your score. Um, and do you want to explain the point system? The ten point must quickly. Yeah. No, nah, let's just tell everybody that like okay. basically one person usually wins ten points and one and the loser of the round wins nine points. Okay, fine, perfect. So the top criteria is that uh, is effective striking slash grappling. Cool. Effective. So vague. So vague. Um, and all of us as viewers, including judges who maybe don't have a whole ton of experience, 
definitely notice striking more than grappling. Yeah. Which is um, problematic, especially when it comes to another controversial decision from the card where we didn't even talk about James Krause. Oh, yeah. Um, he admittedly lost his fight. What was a problem was he was not given one of the rounds he so clearly dominated on the ground. For four minutes out of five. So, there you go. There's your, um, you know... Number one criteria. Number one criteria. After that, and kind of almost only after that, like, you cannot figure out who was more effective. Like, they were even. That could happen in many cases. Mm -hmm. The next criteria you go to is control of the octagon. Mm -hmm. Tricky. Um, again, it comes down to what your kind of like definition of control is, but it shouldn't even get there. I know. But then you think about it. So like effective grappling is controlling, you know? So it's like, it's so ambiguous. It's like totally in between. I'm, I'm confused about it. I think everyone in general is confused about it, you know? And the last one is even more confusing, uh, is effective aggressiveness and defense. So again, like effective aggressiveness doesn't that work right into the striking and the grappling and the control. So it's all really like ambiguous. I can see why there's confusion oftentimes. I can see why there are controversial decisions. I don't think anyone got robbed necessarily because that's something like people are throwing out anytime they think they're who they thought won didn't win. Like not everyone's robbed. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. But... I just found out this week. Do you know how much judges get paid per event or how much referees get paid per well, event? Well, they're government employees. The referees aren't government employees. Well, maybe they are. But judges are government employees, so they get paid nothing. They get paid like super... Per event. Let's What's the... Um, let's give a timeline. Like an event could start at like 5 p.m. and go to yeah. midnight. Right? So say seven hours. So say eight hour day because you want to go and in. And the judges are nonstop too. Yeah. I'll say... Let's say $400. For the whole night. Yeah. That's madness. That's like three cents an hour. No, it's not. (laughs) Well, it's not three cents an hour. But (laughs) they get paid $1,600 for the event. Shit, it's more than I'm making a day. They're the experts. Yeah. There are like maybe 10 good judges across the United States. That continuously are being used. No, that's not true. The judges, judges that are being used in these big events within each state, though. Yes, well, yeah. which is the other problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's madness. It's a hot mess. The other thing is like the other thing that that's even crazier. Just to give our our friends who are a little bit newer to MMA, who gives a fuck about time right now? I do. Uh, is because it's important to know. So MMA is judging. So when MMA was new, right, and it was like this weird cage fighting thing that freaked people out and nobody knew what it was. They had to adopt like a bastardized, like weird version of boxing's uh, scoring system to try to legitimize the sport. Well, the sport's become legitimized. It's on ESPN. It, it's 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 what do you call it? Like reach like critical mass and all this mm-hmm. stuff at this point. So it's like it deserves its own scoring system because it's not boxing. Now it's not a fucking fuck you against boxing or a hatred thing that like that that there is that underlying thing for a long time. It's just, it's a different, it's a completely different sport. So I think it needs to follow, like, I personally think, 
and I fantasize about creating it, but I'm not smart enough to do it, is I personally think it needs a very clear and cut, like, uh, point system like jiu-jitsu has. So, like, each landed strike counts for X points. Each double-leg takedown ca- counts for Y. Uh, that is what would make it boring. Yeah, passing the guard, absolutely. And that's why people don't want jiu-jitsu or MMA to become an Olympic sport. Because if you do look, which we've watched this week, because we're also so excited for the Olympics. This oh is my God, seed. it can't come soon enough. Ugh, this summer, it's coming. George already bought our first Olympics but, t-shirts. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but I love, I love the Olympics, obviously. And I love combat sports. And I do enjoy combat sports in the Olympics, but that's why boxing in the Olympics isn't as big as swimming and stuff like that. It's because because they have to do so much boxing and 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 like taekwondo and all these things and they have to fight so many times right. in the Olympics, they can't have it be as dangerous as an MMA fight where you have one MMA fight and you can't fight for months afterwards, you know what I mean? So they make it this like weird bastardized version where it's only about points to see who's better at the at the game, you know, which is fair competition, but it waters down the effectiveness and like the combat aspect of MMA. Right. So I think there needs to be somewhere something in the middle, and there's the MMA guys who are way smarter than me who can figure it out. But I also I I disagree with the idea that everything needs to be revamped. Like the the system was not wrong this weekend. The humans were wrong. I disagree. And we can't get into that because we're already, tw- oh my God, half an hour in. You're probably <laughs> oh not even God. fucking listening anymore. <laughs> but um, whatever, I guess that's another conversation. I disagree that the whole thing needs to change. But I do think this is another interesting um, way if, if everything can't change immediately, there is one thing that can be put into effect well, right you're now. right. There's two things. There's one that's potentially changing the rules. But the other thing that we really need is transparency in the sport. So from round to round, we need to know what the scores are. Even if they're fucking crazy wrong and everything, at least you could go into the fifth round knowing I need to win this fight. Or in the third round knowing, hey, I didn't get that round. I fucking definitely should have and I'm going to try to appeal it. But we're going to the third round. I need to win. To be clear, right now, fighters do not know round to round who is winning. Yeah. They go back to their corners and their corners can tell them, you're up two rounds to one. You're up. It's tied. You got to get out there in this third round. You got to win. But it's their opinion. But it's their opinion. We have heard corners tell their fighter they're up. We're like, no, you're fucking not. We have heard um, corners say certain things that it's just because it's all opinion based and without knowing what the judges are thinking even the corners can't do their job well yeah so each state has their own commission which is also another problem and they issue the people who get involved in all this stuff with the judging and all this but kansas is the first state to state uh to state (laughs) 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 that uh they will experiment with open scoring in their next MMA events at the amateur and professional level. That they don't want to call open scoring. Oh, is that what, what the deal that is? They want to call it real time That's scoring. fair. I mean, because we're watching the Olympics on YouTube from the past, we, we were watching Olympic boxing and I saw that they, that they have open scoring in Olympic boxing too, so that's pretty fucking cool, man. At least people... You know, transparency is always good. As yes. Patrick always says, it's about communication. Exactly. And... Just the conversation about any of this, I think, is a good thing. I think it's good. 
I personally think you get John Danaher, Faraz Sahabi, Greg Jackson, uh, me, you know, all Wait, the real Rose, smart people. <laughs> a, a fighter that we've discussed before said she has really sat down and thought about it. And if I believe any fucking fighter actually sat down and really thought uh, about something, I would believe Rose. Put them all in a room and figure it out. It would not take long. Yeah. But it also goes up to the other thing that I'll, I'll just say super quickly. I think that the game should change completely. I, we'll talk about it another time. I think if you had one 15-minute round, I think you'd have more finishes. I think you'd have more people get because of being tired and uh, with like jujitsu and wrestling and stuff like that. I think you'd yeah, have but more then where are you gonna put the commercials and make the money? Come on, babe. In between the fifteen and the, put them on the shorts. Scram. And with with that, we'll end the episode and say thank you all for listening. We love you. And this episode is brought to you by our friends who had their birthday day together just like every year jamie <laughs> and Agendas. we love you <laughs>